All right, and welcome to Carolina Family Church. Thank you for joining us today. We had a lot to move around today, so we got it done just in the nick of time. Um, but for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome. I'm really, really glad that you're here. And I uh, just want you to relax and enjoy the service today. When we get together as a church, you know, it's really not, I mean, we, we love the music and, you know, the messages I hope are good and, and all of that. But really, when we get together, the, the, the joy, what really brings us here is just hanging out together. So I want you to make yourself at home and feel comfortable and get to meet some people, get to know some people today, uh, because our church really is about being a family and doing this thing together and growing together and learning together, which is why I love series like we're doing right now, where we're not only doing uh, this teaching on the weekend, that's the starting point, but then we're meeting together in groups and doing studies that are based on the, the same passage. And it really kind of brings the whole thing full circle. You know, we, we teach the scripture here and hang out and spend time together. And then during the week, we get together and we actually talk about application. Now, what do we do with this? How have I seen this play out in my life? And what does God want me to do? And that it really takes both things for us to mature and grow as Christians. And it's hard to get all that on Sunday morning. It's hard to do that and have those kinds of conversations here because we just don't have the time or the ability. And so I love that we're doing that during the week and that uh, so many of you are taking advantage of that. And uh, also, it takes a little pressure off me, too, because I don't have to, I can spend more time teaching in the scripture and less time thinking about the application, but trusting that you are going to do that throughout the week and that you're going to be listening to the Spirit and what He wants you to do and learn and grow. And so, thank you for doing that. And throughout this entire series, it's been so encouraging. And last week in particular, I just had a bunch of people message me or come up and talk to me or whatever and say, I don't know what it is about this series, but it, I've read James before, I've studied James before, and it's just, it's hitting different this time. Something, maybe it's the questions, maybe it's the processing, maybe it's just the way we're immersing ourselves in it. But what I think it really is, for those of you that are experiencing that and feeling that, it's the fact that you're taking it seriously. It's the fact that you are diving in personally and you're really digging around inside of your heart and your mind and trying to figure out what God wants you to do and who he wants you to be and how to take this and make it. And so you can do that. You don't need a series like this to do that, by the way. You can do it all on your own anytime, every single day. You can be studying and getting into this stuff, and we're just maybe we're just helping to show you how to do it, all right? And so I want to encourage you to continue to dig in as we've been going through this series. And for those of you that are new, I know you're dropping kind of into the middle of this thing, but you can go back, you can watch all of the other messages, they're online, and so you can get caught up on all of this. But we're, we're reading a letter from James, and James is writing to Christians who are scattered around. They're not in the sort of Christian hub, the, the epicenter. Uh, they're scattered all over the area. They're Jewish uh, by heritage. And so they're, they're people who've come out of Judaism and converted to Christianity. And he's trying to help them understand, since they don't have this sort of central hub of leadership that existed in Jerusalem, they're spread around. But they're sort of delving into immaturity. They're, they're fading and sliding away from what God wants and they're sliding more and more into what the world wants and success in the world's eyes. And so he's trying to set them straight so that they can grow in spiritual maturity and not be fooled by all the things around them. Now, last week we left off with James saying, uh, he said, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I know in your groups you guys talked about uh, how peace in your relationships and what that looks like and where it comes from. But their problem in this church is that they don't have peace. It does, at least it doesn't seem so. They have conflict and they have, they have issues with each other. We're, this thing's dropping all over the place. So I'm just going to switch pockets. 
All right. I'm going to move it over. Just give it a little better line of sight over there. All right. I don't want, I don't want everybody to be distracted the whole time. So, All right. There we go. He, he, he doesn't want all these conflicts between them. He, he wants there to be peace. He wants them to understand how they're supposed to live with each other as well as to live and walk with God. And the focus when he talks about this peace, uh, being peacemakers, it's not just about them and the outside world. It's hard to have peace with the outside world, quite frankly. It's not about them having peace with the outside world as much as it is them having peace with one another. All right, how they get through the issues that they have with each other. And he's going to continue talking about that today because they don't seem that they are at peace. They're fighting, they're scratching, they're clawing, they're stepping on each other in order to try and grow in the world's eyes. And so he's going to deal with that today. All right, so we're going to be in James Chapter 4, starting chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get turned there. Of course, we will have it on the screen, but as always, I want to encourage you to bring a Bible with you, whether that's on your phone, tablet, print, whatever uh, you're most comfortable with. But in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Like this, all right, let me just pause for a second. There's obviously contention among them. Where is this coming from? What is the source of it? Contention suffocates peace, and that seems to be what's happening uh, with them. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. So, What's he saying? These, these conflicts, he's trying to get to the source. And, and I, I think this is important. It's important for us in general, but particularly within the church. Whenever there's an issue that's happening, whether that's you know, in your life, in your relationships in the world, there's always a root cause of that issue. And he's trying to dig down and find the root of these issues that are happening between people in the church. And he says that the root cause of all these problems are your desires for pleasure within you. The desire for comfort, as we read into this, the desire for comfort, the desire for uh, power, the desire for peace for yourself, (laughs) the desire, those selfish desires that exist inside of you. The the, the actual word, I think he uses the word uh, hedonis, which is where we get the word hedonism. Hedonism is the worldview or the belief that the ultimate purpose of life is to gather for yourself as much pleasure as you can. So get as much out of the world as you possibly can, and that's the way you win at life. That's, that's hedonism. All right, the point of life is to get pleasure. And frankly, this is the worldview that is taught to us by the world around us. All right, you need to be happy. You need to get all the stuff and have all the things that you want that everybody else has. And so we spend our entire life trying to catch up with everyone else and trying to have what everyone else has. I mean, he talks about envy, right? Bitter envy he talks about earlier in the, in the, in the letter. We're trying to have all of this stuff. We're trying to keep up. We're trying to hit all the check marks that our culture tells us you have to hit in order to be successful. And so we want to be successful in the world's eyes. And so we chase after these desires and these pleasures, which come deep down from within us. And having those things makes us feel good. In fact, we use it as a coping mechanism, right? Retail therapy. We're, We're struggling. We're feeling lost. We're feeling, you know, whatever. And so we go to Amazon, right? Just talked about being Amazon. Because you just talked about being on Amazon. You just talked about that in the host comments. So not, not you. No, I, this is, we'll talk later. All right. The, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Um, 
I promise you, I buy more things on Amazon than she does. But we, you know, retail therapy, having stuff makes us feel good. We like, we like when we have the nice new thing and everybody looks at us and says, ooh, look, they got the nice new thing, you know? We love that feeling. It's, it comes out of that desire in us for pleasure. Whatever makes us feel good, whatever makes us comfortable, whatever makes us happy, that's what you need to do in your life. In fact, that whole phrase that people will tell you, do what makes you happy, that comes out of that exact same idea. And all it does is it ends up creating contentions. It ends up creating fights. It ends up creating envy, jealousy, drive. And in fact, it can be, it's not, it's not a problem with having the things. It's a problem with our desire for them. That we could consume it upon our lusts is the way that the scripture would put that. We could consume it upon our lusts. And so we crave these things. And we pursue them and we keep pursuing them and we keep pursuing them and we keep expecting them to do for us what they can't do, and they never do it, and so we just keep craving and pursuing, and ultimately we will be willing to step on other people in order to get them, to put someone, push someone else down so that we can be lifted up. Where it all, you, you lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and you war, and that can even happen here. That can even happen within our church, between each other misunderstanding of each other and what our goals are. All right, he goes on in verse, um, second part of verse 2. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And if I can just insert for a second, their response probably is, oh, no, we're asking. <laughs> Say, I don't have because I don't ask. No, God, I ask plenty. I ask for those kinds of things all the time. In fact, I think it's probably the element of prayer we're best at, at least in our own minds. We go to God and we ask him for everything, right? And in fact, it can, if we're not careful, that can be our entire prayer. That's our only communication with God is calling God to see what he can do for us. But the problem is God is not a vending machine, nor is he a genie where we just rub the lamp and God grants us our three wishes. He doesn't work that way, right? But we are so good at asking. Say, you do not have because you do not ask. They're like, yes, we do. No. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or being an enemy of God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You can't have both. It doesn't work that way. He says that this makes you an enemy. Right? The problem is that their prayers are selfish. They're asking God for things, but they're asking him for worldly things. They're asking for him to give them the job or send them the money or give them the position in town that everybody's going to look up to or give them the fine clothes that they want or the nicest camel to ride or whatever it was that they wanted in that day had the right emblem on the nose of the camel or whatever. Right? They, they were asking amiss that they could consume it. They were asking for themselves. They were asking for themselves, for their own pleasure and comfort. Why would God do that for us? Why would God give us those things when we ask for them if he already knows that having those things is probably going to drive us away from him? Why would he enable our walk away from him? Well, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. 
He actually says, he calls, James calls the people who are doing this adulteresses. There's actually one word there, it's adulteresses, but it's meant to apply to both the men and the women because the church is the bride of Christ. He says, adulteresses. This is what he said. You're cheating on God. It's adultery. You're cheating on God. You are supposed to be married to him, but you're going out and you're looking at the world. You're supposed to be looking for what he wants in your life and valuing things his way and drawing closer and closer to him, but instead, you're just getting closer and closer to the world. It's cheating. I know some of you have been in that situation, in a relationship before. You know how that feels, right, to be on the other side of that? If you were ever in that situation where you were on the side where the other person cheated on you or or had an affair or whatever it was, however you felt, that's how God feels when we go out and we pursue the world instead of pursuing him. Because we are the bride of Christ, and we're supposed to be committed to him. And instead, we go out chasing all this stuff, wanting all the things. It's where our heart and our drive and our passion is. And the whole time, we're just walking away from him. God gave his son. Christ gave his life. But we walk away from him and ask him to fund it. And James says, no, it doesn't work that way. If you try to be a friend of the world, if that's your passion and that's your goal and getting pleasure for yourself and all that the world says will do that, then that puts you in a position of opposition with God. You are opposed to his desire for your life. And you're never going to have peace, and not, not within yourself, and you're never going to have peace in your relationships around you. It's always going to be biting, scratching, grabbing, clawing, climbing the ladder. That's what your life is going to look like. He said you have to choose. Now, the problem is not with the stuff. It's not with having things. That's not the problem. The problem is with the desire that comes from within us. Because there are faithful Christians who have very little, and there are faithful Christians that have very much. It is very, 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 very hard to be a faithful Christian who has a lot, by the way. Just for those of you that do have a lot, be on guard and be aware. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man. Okay, so be very, very careful. Be very, very aware that the trappings of those desires, and often it's that desire within us that drives us to it in the first place. And so we got to be very, very careful about how we think about the things that we have. Whether the desire is to, uh, for ourselves or whether the desire is for God. And he said these outward fights that are going on around you, they are the result of an inward fight that's happening. It's a little like, a little like a bottle of Coke. All right, you saw these here. You knew it was coming, all right? In life, like they're under pressure, right? He's talked about that. He's talked about how uh, they're facing persecutions of many kinds, right? And they have all this pressure that's coming in from them I'm from the outside world, and they don't have a lot of, it doesn't seem like a lot of support system telling them how to live and how to walk. And so James is trying to help here and get them on track, right? But he said, now you've got all these contentions that are going on around you. And the, the easy thing for us to do, frankly, when we're having fights within us is to blame everything outside of us, right? So if I'm, in a, if, if I'm at odds with someone else or with another Christian, it's because them. It's because of them, right? It's their fault. I haven't done anything wrong. It's because of them. And James says, no, 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 no. Where do these wars and fights come from? Don't they come from the desire for pleasure that exists within you? 
This is an outward conflict, but it's not coming from the outside in. It's coming from the inside out. Because you're trying to be a friend of the world. You're trying to be in love with the world and have a relationship with the world when you're supposed to be in love with God and have a relationship with Him. So where is all this coming from? You think it's coming from the outside. You think you're doing everything right, but it's not. It's coming from the inside. So then when we're shaken, when the pressure comes, and all of a sudden we're in a relationship with someone and finally the straw breaks the camel's back, one thing happens. Have you ever noticed, by the way, have you ever noticed how people have disproportionate <laughs> moving? You didn't know you were in the splash zone. Right, have, there's a poncho under your seat. Have you ever noticed how people will have disproportionate reactions to things? Right? Situation happens and they explode and they shouldn't because it, it doesn't make sense for them to explode in that situation. It's a disproportionate reaction. It's always because something else is going on, always. When someone blows up on you like that, your first response, your first thought should be, there's something else going on in their life, and I don't need to get so mad at them right now for this situation. I need to give them some grace because there's something going on at home. There's something else going on in their life that they're frustrated about, or sometimes it's the mounting of multiple little things, right? And then all of a sudden, the one thing happens that's the straw, you know, it's the analogy, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And they explode. I did not think through the fact that this was going to get all over my hand. <laughs> but it's not because of what happened on the outside. It's because of what happened on the inside. So where are these wars and the fights that are coming from? They're coming because your priorities and your passions are wrong. Your priorities and passions have been dictated, decided by the world around you instead of by God. And so we got to cut it out. And we have to commit ourselves to listening to him, walking with him, not with the world. It means, it means changing what we value and what we desire. What, I've asked this question multiple times in the series, and I'm going to ask it again. What do you want? What do you want in your life? Do you want everything that the world promises you? Do you want all the pleasure and all the comfort and all the peace that our society tells you you need, that you will never have, by the way? Or do you want to bring honor and glory to God? Do you want to receive reward and congratulations from God, thanks from God, when your time comes to spend eternity with him? Do you want to prepare for this kingdom now, or do you want to prepare for that kingdom then? What do you want? And if you want to pursue and be passionate about God's kingdom, it has to change what you value now. It has to change what you do. It has to change how you think. It has to change how you feel. It has to change the way that you look at yourself. It has to change the way that you look at other people. What do you want? So that when that pops, when that top pops, it doesn't explode like that. Right? Yeah, no. <laughs> I know you were waiting. Oh, good. Thank you. Hmm? And then a drywall. You're so good at this. She's a mom. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. 
All right. I don't always think things through. You'll learn that about me. Where is the fight coming from? Where is this inward conflict? It's, uh, it's, not, it's our desire to be uh, a part of the world, to be recognized by the world, celebrated by the world. Really what it is, that, that the external conflicts around us are the result of an internal conflict, and that conflict is between us and God. James says that when we're choosing the world over God, it puts us in opposition to God. It, it puts us in a position of contention with God. And it's that internal lack of peace that ultimately overflows into an external lack of peace. And yes, we know that because of the good news, the gospel, that we, we were born at odds with God. But that God, because he is merciful, sent his son Jesus, and Jesus came to earth, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And he was put into a tomb, and he rose again on the third day. And if we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, to forgive us and save us, something we can't do for ourselves, if we put our trust in Jesus to save us, he forgives us. And if you've never done that before, and you've never even started peace with God, today's the day to do that, to put your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. Believe in him for salvation. He will forgive you right now. And that creates peace with God, eternal peace with God. But then as we walk through life, every single day, we have to choose whether we are going to walk in that peace or not. To walk in that peace means to walk in the way that God has designed for us to walk to understand his word and what he wants from us, to understand how to follow and listen to the spirit so that we can behave and do the things and think the things that he wants us to. That is an everyday choice. And if we choose to try to have peace with the world instead of walking in peace with God, then we are going to end up with these conflicts, an internal conflict that spills over into an, out, an external conflict. The question is, what do we want? We know what God wants. James says in verse 5, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Now this, this verse, by the way, is a, it's a little hard to translate. It's awkwardly worded even in Greek, and so then it's difficult, it's very awkwardly, awkward to word it, just kind of like that sentence was, awkwardly to word it into English. <laughs> It's hard to kind of understand what's going on. And there's a, there's, it's actually different translations. It's mul translated multiple different ways. James says, don't you know the scripture says? But there's actually no Old Testament scripture that says this specifically. He's not quoting. So it appears that he's just paraphrasing the sum total of the scripture. Don't you understand? There is a, there is a verse in the Old Testament that, that says that God is a jealous God. He said, don't you? Basically, and I think the NIV actually uh, gets this pretty close. Maybe it's the easiest to, to understand and read. Uh, so I'm going to put it up on the screen in, in the NIV for a moment. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? We know what God wants. Here's what God wants. God wants to walk with you. God wants to lead you. God wants to provide for you, but that doesn't mean providing the way that the world thinks of providing. God loves you and longs for you. And you have to choose, and I have to choose, whether we are going to embrace him 
or whether we are going to allow our selfish passions and desires to cause us to embrace the world and turn our back to Him. That's a choice. God is jealous. He's not jealous in the same way we are jealous because God is actually deserving of honor and glory. And that's what He wants us to do with our life. But here's the good news. Even if you find yourself in a position today where you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know what? I think I'm pursuing the world. I think that I have turned my back on walking in peace with God, maybe just subconsciously, maybe as a process over time, just like a slow fade away from God. And you say, I feel like I'm walking a totally different direction today. Here's the good news for you. God is full of grace. He is full of grace. And he is never going to look at you, no matter how far away from him you may try to walk, he is never going to look at you and say, well, that one's done. Enough of that. I've had it up to here. God always welcomes us back. He always receives us. And so we must know that even when we have chosen the world, even when we have cheated on God, that if we turn back to him and want to walk with him, he will resolve that within us. He will resolve that in our relationship with him and we can begin walking in a new direction. James says this in verse 6, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace. God's grace is greater than his enmity. He will always choose grace for you, but we have to turn back to him and walk with him. Therefore, he says, and this is a quote from the Old, uh, Old Testament scripture, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if you've been fighting against him, what you need to do is to humble yourself. That is not something our culture tells us to do. Our culture tells us to elevate ourselves, to take pride in ourselves. It's the power of the human spirit. But what God says is that if you want to come back to me, then you have to humble yourself. Verse 7. James says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We say that we follow God, but we're chasing after the world. We're of two minds. We're unstable in all of our ways. And we need to solidify our trust and faith in God. We need to change our mind. We need to change our desires. What do we want out of life? What are we pursuing? We need to change our direction. This is repentance. This is, this is a, a, a 180, a change of position, a change of mind, a change of heart, a turning away from the world and turning towards God. And the faithful Christian life requires constant repentance, constant understanding of our failing and where we've missed it and where we need to get back on track with him. It's an ongoing process of changing our mind, changing within and changing without. So James says in verse 9, lament and mourn and weep. This is 
This is a death of sorts. We're letting this old nature and these old passions die within us so that we can pick up life. He goes on, he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. So the old things that we used to find pleasure in, the old things that used to bring laughter, the old things that used to bring joy, we now look at them differently because our tendency is to wear what ought to be our shame as medals of honor. He said, they're not medals of honor, so we need to learn to look at them differently. And verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We have to humble ourselves in order to be lifted up, to look at things the way that God looks at them, to value the things that God values. And we have a culture, we have a society that exists around us that is constantly screaming in our ear about what is good, about what is valuable, about what makes you valuable. And we have to be able to shut it out and get back to the simplicity of what God wants for us. Um, This morning I was... uh, uh, I was here a little early, and I popped open um, Facebook, which I don't do often, but I just wanted to see if there were any notifications or any sent any messages or anything like that before church. And uh, I saw one of my, my memories. It's actually a post uh, made four years ago, 2007, like the, fir- the year the church started. And um, I was studying uh, for a message. Don't know what the message was. And I came across this, uh, this passage in Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible and I just, I thought it was so beautiful and appropriate for today. So I just want to read it to you. And this is, so Matthew Henry's a, a guy who did a commentary of the Bible. And uh, he, he did write many, many years ago. And uh, so he doesn't speak in the same kind of English we speak in. So uh, maybe that makes it more beautiful. Here we go. All right, he said, and he's talking about Adam. He's talking about Adam um, in the Garden of Eden. He said, the place appointed for Adam's residence was a garden. Not an ivory house, nor a place overlaid with gold, but a garden, furnished and adorned by nature, not by art. What little reason have men to be proud of stately and magnificent buildings when it was the happiest of man in innocency that he needed none? As clothes came in with sin, so did houses. The heaven was the roof of Adam's house. And never was any roof so curiously sealed and painted. The earth was his floor, and never was any floor so richly laid. The shadow of the trees was his retirement. Under them were his dining rooms, his lodging rooms. And never were any rooms so finely hung as these. Solomon's, in all their glory, were not arrayed like them. The better we can accommodate ourselves to plain things, and the less we indulge ourselves with those artificial delights which have been invented to gratify men's pride and luxury, the nearer we approach to a state of innocency. I read that this morning, I was like, wow. You know, we really live in a world that says you're valuable if you have. You're valuable if you have all those pleasures and desires and you can go out and you can fulfill them. But the problem is that they won't fulfill us. The desire and the passion for those things is just going to create what we had a minute ago. That internal peace that leads to external, or inter, internal conflict that leads to external conflict. 
But contrary to popular opinion, kneeling is a position of power. To bow down before God and say, I submit to you and I want to follow you and I want for my life what you want for my life, even if that's not what everyone else says I should want for my life. But when we get to that position of submission with God, where we're willing to follow him and trust him in whatever, it creates peace. We experience the peace that we have with God. And when we experience the peace we have with God, it then will change everything that's going on around us as well. A person who has peace with God, a person who experiences peace with God, a person who follows God and listens to Him, submits. When the world says, do this, you say, God says, Does, do that, and you do that. When the world says, value this, and God says, value that, and you value that, and you live and walk in peace and harmony with God, you're still going to be shaken by the world. Make no mistake about it. There are still going to, you can't control what people around you do. Boy, I wish we could, but you can't. When all of that is happening around you, when all of that may even be happening within our church, when we may disagree about things, we may see things a different way, we may choose different things, in the midst of all of that, we have peace with God. We're experiencing peace with God, and it's that peace within us that then informs how we behave and what we act and do. And then, when the moment comes and the, the fire is kindled, we're okay. We're okay because it's the peace that exists within us between us and God that is leading everything that's happening in our life. We walk with confidence. I hate to say that our life is flat, but yeah, yes. <laughs> happen to like flat soda, so that's fine. <laughs> All right. It's a totally different reaction. Because we have humbled ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he lifts us up. And that has to extend not just to ourselves, but also to how our relationships, how we look at other people. See, what we're doing is we're getting an accurate picture of who we are and who God is. And that is going to then give us an accurate picture of who other people are. So James says in verses 11 and 12, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. They have these conflicts, right? Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? What this is, is this is us taking ourselves out of the seat that we don't belong in. That we're born thinking we belong in. It's God's seat. The judge's seat. And so we have this internal conflict that's going on, and people are doing things around us, and we end up judging them. It ends up being them and their problem and their sin, and they're the one who's wrong, and I'm the one who's right. But then when I, and that makes me a judge, right? but that's not my position to judge them. It's not, that's not what I'm supposed to do. 
But when I humble myself in the sight of the Lord and I recognize that he is the judge, he's the one who sits in the seat, and I'm the one who is following, then I look and understand that I'm not, it's not my job to judge you. It's my job to help you and walk with you and love you because we're in this together, because we're a team. But as long as I'm pursuing the world and I've got all this conflict and strife happening to my heart, I will never be able to look at people that way. It will always be competition. But when we put ourselves in the right position with God, it allows us to understand that we are not the center of the universe. You know, they used to, people used to think the, the uh, universe was geocentric, it was centered around the earth. And then Copernicus said, no, it's heliocentric, it's centered around the sun, which I think is kind of funny because for a long time I thought it was geocentric. You know, <laughs> the universe revolved around me. It turns out it doesn't. It doesn't, actually doesn't. And it turns out it doesn't revolve around you either. And that none of us belong in the judge's seat. In God's seat, God belongs there. We are all just trying to walk faithfully with him, and we're doing that together. And that should lead us to not only peace within us, but also peace with each other. It's getting our desires and our heart in sync with his. So I'll just ask it again. What do you want? What do you want? And if you feel like you've walked away, you understand that God has grace for you. And he will receive you back with open arms today. And you can be, begin walking with him in a brand new direction. For some of you, maybe it's the first time. Understanding that you've been living your life opposed to God. And you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. So there's always been enmity between you and God. And so today you understand that you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Ask him for forgiveness. And today you become a child of God if you put your faith and trust in him. God saves you by his grace. And this begins a new journey for you of understanding how to walk with him. And I want you to know that there are lots of great churches out there that will help you, Christians who will walk with you and help you understand what that means and show you what to do. But I also want you to know we'll do that here too. And so we would love to walk with you as we all are figuring this out, understanding how to honor and glorify God in our lives. All right, we're going to uh, finish today by singing a song that is actually written, um, it's based on this, this passage. And there's, there's a line in the song, um, oh God, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but uh, it's in the bridge and uh, it says, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. It's all out of the scriptures. So um, I'm going to say a, a word of prayer. We're going to commit this to him and then we're going to sing this song together. And uh, I just really want you to be thinking about what we've been talking about today as we sing this song, as your commitment to God that you're going to respond. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for offering for us on the cross the life of your son in our place. And so we thank you for that today. We stand in that grace today. And uh, for some, it may be accepting that for the first time today. I pray that in this moment, they would do that. They would make a commitment to you that they believe in you, they believe in your son, Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And uh, as they do that, God, we know that you receive them as your child. I ask right now, God, for all of us that we put our faith and trust in you and we want to walk with you. 
We want to be who you created us to be. We want to do what you created us to do. And you understand that we live in a world with a lot of pressure, a lot of messages, constant noise coming at us from every direction. Everybody's ideas of what our life is supposed to be, of what we're supposed to value, what we're supposed to love, what we're supposed to pursue, what makes us valuable, what makes us significant. And so God, what I'm asking right now is that for everyone in the room, you would help us to see through all of that, to know who you want us to be. That you would show us in your word, that you would speak to us through the spirit within us, so that we can faithfully follow you, so that we won't be opposed to you, but that we are fully in love with you, humbling ourselves before you, submitting ourselves to you, because we know you are better. And so I ask God that you would show all of us in our own life where we've been pursuing pleasure, where we've been pursuing the world, so that we can turn, so that we can change. And that as we do, we pray, God, that we will experience the peace that you've created between us. The internal peace, the peace in our hearts. And that would help us to create peace around us as well, peace with each other, to bring you honor and glory. Clean hands, pure hearts, your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen.